Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Momming Autism Podcast, where we are providing a positive platform for parents to share their stories about raising special needs children. We are your hosts, Amanda DeLuca and KDMD, and today we have the absolute honor to bring you uh, one of my favorite writers, and Katie, I think it's safe to say yours too, Carrie Cariello. So thank you so much for joining us, Carrie. Oh my gosh, thank you. That's a great intro. You, um, Katie and I both were talking today how you have mastered writing for the uninformed reader. Everyone knows you, everyone knows Jack, that it just, you bring people along for your journey. And I think that is such a skill and such a, it's magic how you do it. I love that. Thank you. It's, it's evolved, you know, I've been writing a long time and it evolved quite a bit over with the span of, it's almost a decade now, so. That's amazing. So Carrie, if anyone isn't following you yet, could you introduce yourself just a little bit um, and talk about your page and your writing? Sure. So I'm Carrie Cariello. Um, my son Jack is 17. He's diagnosed with autism. We have five kids and he's my second son. And uh, if you wanted to find me, I'm at CarrieCariello.com because I hate myself and I thought branding on that name seemed smart. <laughs> but it's C-A-R-R-I-E. C-A-R-I-E-L-L-O.com. But you can also find me, I wrote a book um, when Jack was about eight years old called What Color Is Monday? Mm -hmm. So you can find me there as well. And that's my, um, my Facebook author page if you were interested in keeping up to the day-to-day -day travails of our family. So what was the process like um, writing a book and reflecting back on your journey through an autism diagnosis with him? It, you know, I sort of like fell into the whole project. It, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I, I had been doing a little bit of writing for different like local magazines. And then my husband said, oh, look, there's this author in town who wants to do um, nonfiction memoirs. And so he said, why don't you send him something? And um, I did. And then we sort of collaborated on it. And he it was very organic. We worked in his kitchen. I picked the cover. Um, I had a lot of like input on on things that you don't when you move to a bigger publishing house. Um, from the reflection standpoint, I mean, I think it was a really important kind of journey for me to see, because at the time I was writing, he was eight and he was diagnosed at about 14 months old to see um, all that had gone on and all that we had done and all that, you know, the progress and sort of, Milestones, but also some of the setbacks were real. It was it was great to revisit that. Mm -hmm. Fourteen months old is almost unheard of for a diagnosis. I feel like so many of us who feel like we're on the early end are two years old, and fourteen months old that's really that's early. It was early, and to think I think you guys all have littles. You know, he this was way back when it's sort of on the cusp of this autism bubble that sort of exploded. And so people were, I didn't know what autism was aside from Rain Man. And that's the truth. I didn't know anybody with autism. I didn't, you know, I didn't know a family that had a, anybody diagnosed. And it is pretty early. Um, we were living in Buffalo, New York at the time. And I remember starting to make phone calls when he was like six or seven months old over these, just these mini red flags. 
And, and then the word resurfaced or surfaced like autism. And I, my husband and I bless our hearts. We were like the cutest little dum-dums you've ever met. <laughs> we said, they'd say, we can see you in three months, right? Cause everything was all backed up pediatrics wise. And I'm like, oh, we'll be done with this in three months. He's going to be talking by then. And he might, maybe won't scream 18 hours a day. So we were so naive into what the diagnosis truly meant. And I, to this day, think naivete was kind of our best friend, but um, it was early. We had in-home services at a year for speech and special um, education play. They did a lot of play. And then we finally got in with a developmental pediatrician and it was kind of, um, at that point, I think we knew as a family what road we were headed towards. And so it wasn't, for us, it was not a big shock. In, in a strange way, it was almost a relief. Like, okay, we have this label now. We have something to work with and uh, and move forward. I think, um, Katie, you feel the same, that it was the relief. Um, I feel like I've gone through denial and grieving about three times now since our diagnosis. It's been about five years, um, but we're now hitting really, um, what rigidity is looking like and that controls our day. And I think that at this point, I told my husband I'm grieving it all over again because this is a new hard, this is a new trial that we didn't have then. Um, autism was cute at two and now it's becoming hard. So it's like a whole different, it's a whole different ball game. I mean, really for us. I think we kind of feel a little bit the same way. Mm -hmm. We went through all the stages and phases and just the process with Avery, our oldest, he got diagnosed. I obviously dealt with it and went through the motions in a different way than what my husband did. Mm -hmm. Men, I find are a little bit different how they respond um, so? to what, <laughs> what's, going, what's going through. And, you know, now we have our youngest son, Jackson, and that was such a different um, different view and a, and a different kind of process we went through. And now I'm kind of back in that same place. I'm, I'm um, grieving in a different way and, and wondering what our future will look like now having two sons on the spectrum. They're so different, they're night and day, but I thought that our hard and our hardest hurdles in life would always be Avery. So then when we had our son Jackson to go through new hearts and new hurdles that I just couldn't even imagine us going through um, is a lot. So I never thought that I would kind of grieve again or, right. or feel lost or confused or overwhelmed. And I'm going through all of it again, but in a very, very different way. So it's really interesting. It is. And I think... Um the forever of autism hits people at different phases. And I think that's, I always knew it would be there, but now it looks different. So that's sort of where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. So Carrie, why did you choose to start writing and share your story? Was it for you? Was it for another mother like you? What, what inspired you to start sharing? Well, I'm a huge reader. I have, I'm a lifelong reader. I say I read, you know, constantly and, um, and I've enjoyed writing, but I, it was never something I took seriously. And, and but I had a really um, like special moment with my family that inspired the book and and taking writing um, as a more consistent part of my life. And and um, I'll try to keep it short because I'm sure you guys have heard it. And uh, we were at a hotel, 
we'd gone to a water park for the day and we came back to this hotel where we had been before and Jack was probably six, almost seven. And at the point he was terrified of dogs. So he's probably six. And we walked into the hotel and there was a dog there with his, um, his man, his person. And uh, so it was me in the hotel with all five kids. Joe had gone out to get the luggage and Jack started to flip out and circle the room and that, and that, point of time he would like rub his fingers along the perimeter of the room sort of like tracing the room and he started to do that and hit his head and and the kids started to all get really worked up and I just thought okay well he is freaking out but he's here he hasn't run out which would have been like possible before that so I said let's just take a second and see how this goes and I said to the the man um the gentleman that's my son he has autism he's terrified of dogs and um and the man just started to call out and he said, my dog's name is Gracie. You know, Jack, we're waiting for you. I mean, I still can't tell the story without feeling kind of emotional. He said, we're waiting for you. Gracie and I are waiting. And he sat down on the floor next to this dog in the middle of a hotel lobby. And Jack circled and circled till he got closer and closer. And he reached out and he pet the man's hair. And then he pet the dog. He had never touched a dog before. And I, I mean, it's so clear to me as if it happened yesterday that he walked going up into the elevator and thinking i want people to know this story i want people to see how good humanity is how patient humanity is mm -hmm. and people are willing to cross the bridge if we will just sort of build the plank if you know what i mean yeah. so that moment definitely was my uh you know light bulb moment if you will to start writing more regularly that's beautiful. I don't know. I didn't know that story. Oh, you didn't. I, feel, no, I, I didn't tell it quite a bit. So it's, I love that. Um, you have impacted our journey and I'm probably going to cry because I do this every time, but, um, you spoke about when Jack was in the hard and you would hold on to your necklace that said, believe, and you would tell him over and over that you believed in him. And that has changed how I parent. Um, because we are, we are in the heart right now. And I do believe in him and I know it isn't what he wants, but it's what we're doing right now. So you sharing that has changed how I parent my son because I needed hope. And that's what that was for us. I'm so honored. I, nobody's ever said that to me before. So I'm just deeply honored that something to me that was, it, it wasn't that it was insignificant, but it was just this talisman that I wore. And I still, I have a, another version of it. I still wear, wear now. To think that you could take comfort in that is really meaningful and powerful to me because you know what, we're all sort of on our little islands, like, except for, you know, social media has been really fantastic in connecting us. But at the end of the day, there is a certain isolation and loneliness when it comes to motherhood on this level. So I'm really grateful that that was helpful. So you shared um, a video last week. Mm. I think you said you're first and only. Probably. <laughs> ever. Um, and you talked about the significance of being an autism mom and the decisions that we have to make because we are. What does that mean to you? What does being an autism mom, how does that define for you? Well, I think it's a collection of the tasks First thing I think of is the collection of tasks that accompany raising a special kiddo. You know, yesterday I'm like, he's away right now. He's away until the end of July. 
And so I'm racing because the pharmacy wouldn't release his prescription until he's out. So I'm racing to get it and then to overnight it, you know, across town. Not a big deal, not hard. I'm not a particularly busy person. But as I was driving, I'm thinking, I've never had to do this for, I have four other kids I've never had to do this. You know, the paperwork and the, um, the appointments and sort of that never ending trail of the diagnosis itself. And I think we do have to do things that are hard in terms of, uh, I can't take the easy way out. And I wrote a little bit about that this week. Like he's struggling to transition into this new space for the next three weeks. And it would be so easy to go get him. He's only about an hour and a half away. He texts me, he misses us, he wants to come home. Um, he, he actually hasn't said he wants to come home yet. He has said, I miss home. And I can't do what's easy because it doesn't serve him at all. Right. And slowly he's settling in and, uh, and I can see that there's gonna be some payoff to this, but that, that to me is the badge of an autism mama. We can, we have, we have to find a resilience whether we want to or not. So are you, would you say that you're Jack's person, that you're his safety, that you're his comfort, or is that one of his siblings or? I see it as such a combination because yes, I think I always say it's like the umbilical cord never really got cut between us. Like when I'm home, he's, he's within eight feet of me all the time. Yeah. He wants to know where I am all the time. Cause he's 17, I can leave him alone here and there for a little bit, but he'll call me 40 times, you know? Um, and yet he is affectionate with my husband. He really doesn't touch me. Mm -hmm. um, but I posted a, 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 just a picture of the two of them. I mean, there's lots of pictures of the two of them. Him, them he curls up with him every night, six foot four, Jack. <laughs> my husband's only six feet, he looks short. And um, curls up against him, hugs him. If, if I dare ask Jack for a hug, it's like he'll put his fingertips on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. What's been interesting about him being away, and he's only been away since Sunday, so five days, is um, we've been able to witness really the connection he has with his siblings because part of the carrot, if you will, of going away was that he got a phone. He's never had a phone before. And so he's all in, like group chats and emojis and everybody has a certain like, whatever those faces are. <laughs> so um, every night he texts his brothers, good night, I miss you. And then I didn't know this. They said that he calls them every night. So that's really been meaningful for me to witness. And, and uh, I think we are all, I think this unit of family has been so strong around him for so long that and part of me thinks, was that a mistake? You know, so many rituals went into creating this because it's really hard to pluck him out of it. He doesn't know who he is outside of it. But I think that the fact that he knows to reach out to them for support or for comfort is so amazing. That's all we ever want, right? We want them to connect and we want them to know how loved they are. And I think you've done that. You've done that. Well, I hope so. And I think, you know, looking back, I always wanted my kids I'm just, um, to like each other. And it's not a guarantee. And I wrote a little bit about that the other day, that there's 
you know, we have had our jealousy and how come him and not me? And he gets this and I don't, or she gets this and I don't. <laughs> so I don't think liking each other or leaning on each other without me facilitating it is a guarantee. And so it felt like, okay, some hard work has kind of paid off through the years. Mm-hmm. Um, we, um, we have a four-year-old, she's typical. Mm-hmm. And Katie, your middle child, she is typical. Um, Monroe, isn't asking questions yet, but she is noticing differences. Um, Is that something that you had to talk about, Carrie? Was that sort of a family dynamic or was it just always Jack and this is who he is? Because with Monroe right now, that's just her brother. That's just what he does. That's just who he is. You know, it's so interesting because we never really had a big sit down. He's always just been part of the landscape, if you will. He he and his like, his qualities, his vulnerabilities have just been part of our family's landscape. So I don't think there was a wake up moment when they were all like, oh, that's what he has. Mm-hmm. Um, but my kids are only about a year apart. So mm-hmm. in some ways that's been helpful. And um, my older son probably f- found out when he was about seven or eight, somebody at school had told him. Mm-hmm. And then once he knew, and once Jack was really aware which Jack was about seven when he realized it for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, then it just became part of our conversation. And we highlight it. We highlight the, the advantages of autism, you know, Jack's memory, Jack's ability to remember everybody's birthday in the family. Um, uh, you know, he brings a lot to our family. I think that's what people may not understand is yes, there's these vulnerabilities that we work on, but he is he is contributes to shaping us in really beautiful ways. So um, it's just an understood part of who he is. Yep. And I think that's maybe a really important point because a lot of moms are worried about how to approach that. How do we talk about autism? And like you said, he brings so much and they do have so many strengths that I think maybe concentrating on that when that conversation comes up um, is really the softest approach, I guess, the most positive approach. and kind of letting it be an organic part of the conversation. And we do it in, you know, in the, on, the, on the flip side as well. Like, you know, Jack's brain is not wired to drive a car. My oldest is driving. My third is about to start driver's ed. There's, you know, well, what about Jack? And well, his brain at this moment, combined with anxiety, is not wired to drive a vehicle. So I think I have to remind myself regularly <laughs> Autism is not Jack's fault. He did not choose this diagnosis, this condition. And uh, so I'm working really hard now to to let that be a reminder to everybody else in our house. It's important. But Jack does have a job, right? And he loves work. He loves work. He goes for two hours every Tuesday and Thursday. Mm -hmm. Um, Anxiety gets its slippery fingers on that and kind of makes a mess of Tuesday and Thursday afternoons because he gets so worried we're not going to be there on time. We live 1.2 miles from his job. Mm -hmm. We've never once been late. We could walk there. If Jack were so inclined to pick up his feet and move forward, we could easily walk there. (laughs) He's not. (laughs) So... um, you know, Kate and I talk a lot about the things that bring our kids the most joy also cause incredible distress. And this is like a perfect example. But the people at his job have been exquisite about meeting Jack where he is and also pushing him just the slightest bit to do a little more every shift um, than he did before. So it has been such a blessing for us. That's amazing. Um, 
so as we talk about pushing our children, the things that we believe they can do, um, and you said um, you have one chance to raise this boy. And I think we all feel that way. And we all truly are doing the best we can, but we question that every step of the way. How do you find your strength for such hard decisions? It's funny because I was just writing about this right before we got on together. And it, I, I think, you know, I don't think strength is something you find as much as every day you just build it a little more and a little more. And based on past experiences, I remember when Jack was about seven or eight and he's always been a really big kid. He didn't want to go to extended school year, you know, summer school. I picked that boy up on my back and got him on the bus because I knew if I let it go once, that's the thing with autism, you let it go once, he will never leave the house again. Yep. Uh, my son, at least, that's probably not across the board, but I just know his demeanor and his temperament and his stubbornness. And I just sort of always made the commitment to be a little bit more stubborn than him. Mm -hmm. And so, and I take strength in the fact that we have, those hard moments really have contributed to a lot of development and progress mm -hmm. with school, with yes, you can order your own burger. Um, yes, you can keep your own. Now he has a debit card, you know, just constantly nudging him that much further. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so interesting because um, we say our son looks for your moment of weakness. And as soon as you let that happen, then he knows, well, if I didn't have to do it this time, I don't have to do it next time. If I don't have to do it with mom, I probably won't have to do it with my teacher. That they are always planning 10 steps ahead of us. So Jack wants to live in a world of low demand, right? He wants as little demand on him as possible. We have to be alpha. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not really wired as an alpha, but I have to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'll tell you this, he knows now he had a lot of distress leading up to this program and that's what my video is about but he never once asked me to change my mind it was more just like oh, how am i going to do it what am, am i going to have what i need and i always am like you will have what you need but i do not change my mind once i commit to something yeah that's important um what has um jack's teenage years looked like because you know katie and i both have littles and we're like <laughs> Or maybe it I was, should, maybe we should log off now. <laughs> no, I'm like, I wish that the universe would be like, you know what, ladies, it's been hard enough. We're just going to skip through puberty. This is your free pass. We know that's very possible. Do. It's very possible that will happen. <laughs> and for you, I hope. <laughs> what was it like? You know, it's, uh, yeah, of course it was difficult. I have a house full of teenagers right now. They're hideous savages. <laughs> Somebody just put a meme up that I cannot stop laughing about. It's like this mannequin, like all slumped over. And they're like, finally, they made a mannequin of a teenager. And that's exact. They have no spine, mm -hmm. no energy, no get up and go. Right. Jack's hardest year to date was sixth grade. Mm -hmm. He really fell apart in sixth grade for looking back for a number of very practical reasons. The landscape of social interaction completely changes around sixth to seventh grade. So we had no handle on that at all. Uh, the demands of school pick up. Things like math turn to tend to be more word-based at that time, more language-based. Um, he never did take a language, but just the overall demand of school became way too much. Mm -hmm. He was able to cope and almost hide a lot of his vulnerabilities leading up to that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it became the breaking point where he couldn't hide how behind he was, how lost he was. 
and he became he's a really gentle kid but he became pretty aggressive mm -hmm. and um and then coping with all the changes that just go on with their bodies because Jack is 17. Emotionally, he probably hovers right now around nine. Mm -hmm. So you're putting this body is rocketing ahead, but the mind and spirit are, are remaining in the same space. Yeah. Um, it, you know what? He just found ways to soothe himself. He would come home every day after school and lay down in my bathtub with no water, just fully clothed, just to be in like a little shell of a space mm -hmm. that brought comfort. And it was difficult, uh, and, but that's why I'm here to tell my story so that you guys can say, oh, before he goes crazy in school, <laughs> right? maybe I could do this, you know, type right. of thing. Because I wished for that. I didn't really have anybody like ahead of me. Right. What did you do for yourself, Carrie? Because I know a lot of us hear the term self-care and we kind of roll our eyes and think, well, that's, you know, I don't have all day to go to the spa, but it doesn't have to be that. No, it doesn't have to be that. I, I tell moms, sometimes I speak to like new moms and I like, it's just a handful of things. I work out every day. It, it sometimes it's 20 minutes. I move every day and that is critical to me. Um, and I'm a huge, uh, I do yoga quite a bit. And I really, you know what, when I had littles, it wasn't that accessible to me. So I completely understand that I'm in a different space of life right now. But if I could encourage you, people to do that it just transforms how you handle the rest of your day yep. the other thing which I realize can be expensive or Im sound impractical but since my first son was born not even Jack or autism my husband and I have gone out once a week mm -hmm. together religiously the only times we missed it was when I was in the hospital having another baby Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe date night is not like accessible to you right now for sitter reasons or, or financial reasons, but I can't urge people enough to carve out time for you and your partner yeah. alone. I don't think we would be together yeah. if it, we hadn't done that. My husband and I are working through parent training right now because my son is having really um, tough behaviors and um, we're trying to figure out this communication, this good cop, bad cop. Um, and he said today, do you think it would be helpful if like we just went away for a couple of days? And of course, my immediate reaction was no, because we don't have a handle on what's going on here. And then I That's the back. best time to go away. <laughs> so then I stepped back. I'm like, you're probably right. But can we like shorten it to like one evening? Because if we're gone for too many days, then I get anxious. That's just me. That's not him. Um, but we've also done date night at home. After the kids go to bed, this is what we're going to do. We're gonna to wait to have dinner until they go to bed because then we can eat quiet. So even if we can't get a sitter and get out, we can do date night at home. And I told Katie this week, I took up um, cardio combat kickboxing because mm -hmm. Jackson's going to be like Jack. He's gonna be six foot four and I need to have a little strength because right now I don't have any. <laughs> no, it's so true. I We do need to be, yeah, there's going to be moments. I'm not saying he's needed to be physically restrained, but there had to be moments where I had to be the stronger person yeah. to pick him up off the floor when we were out. Yes. And that really inspired me to keep moving. Mm -hmm. um, the third thing we've done, and I'm, I'm not shy about this at all, but my husband and I went to marriage counseling um, more than once. And the guy, we oh, I loved him so much. He retired and he was like, you're done now. You can't come back anymore. <laughs> I was like, 
literally hanging on his ankles like please take us right you know i'm not afraid to ask an expert when i need an expert i don't know how to fix my car that's why i go to a mechanic mm -hmm. so don't let yourselves go too far because this life is a life like no other and it will as as a couple it will expose every weakness you have mm -hmm. and it will ground you down to nothing <laughs> especially and i talk about this sometimes as the mom our inclination is to be the person like i went through that briefly but i outgrew it <laughs> or i i went past it i was the only one who could like understand what jack wanted to eat or i spoke for him or i did this and i completely shut my husband out of the picture it's a really lonely space to live in so i i urge young moms to be careful of creating that role for yourself carrie we are young moms because that's where i'm at right now i know i know you're a hundred <laughs> years younger than me listen to the old lady wait no you are not but we i am right I now am. in that stubborn spot no where i um i have to let him handle it i just have yes. to, i have to let others handle it because um if not, I will burn myself out and then there will be no one. And I have to come to terms with that. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. And what you're going to see over the next few years is that your husband is going to bring something so different to this parenting bubble. He's gonna add color and light in ways you simply can't. Mm -hmm. And once you realize that where you lack, he picks up, that's whole parenting right there. That's building a family. You know, my husband has Jack do the most ridiculous things. Pump gas, no. <laughs> Hang Christmas lights on the roof, no thank you. An OT once told me a mother's job is to keep her children close and the father's job is to nudge them out of the nest. And once I really saw Joe through those eyes, it was like, oh, okay. He's willing to take risks that I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Sal's the fun parent, I am not. I try, I'm Thanks. just, I'm not fun. I don't know. You're not probably pretty fun, but listen, I'm not a game player. <laughs> no. Joe comes home every night and plays Uno for hours long. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So, um, Carrie, what lessons are you learning from Jack? Because I think we learn things from our children that we wouldn't have otherwise in our lifetime. I think I reflect on recently, reflected on recently, the biggest lesson from Jack is how, what it's like to be brave every day to wake up and, and you know so jack straddles that line he's i wouldn't say he's a whole foot in a neurotypical world i would say he has a toe in a neurotypical <laughs> world but he has enough of it that he knows i'm not them right. i'm the one today that looks like i don't belong i move differently i think differently i eat differently mm -hmm. and yet every day he still gets up opens the door and walks into the world as jack mm -hmm. and i think that takes a tremendous amount of courage and he wants things for himself and he's willing to put in the work to get them for himself mm -hmm. and that it, it inspires me in many ways yeah that's beautiful i say our children don't know what a break is our children don't know what leisure summer is because they're always putting in the work they're always working on skills um couldn't we all be like that <laughs> no <laughs> they really are very hardworking, and I think, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. And they never get a break from, I don't know if your kiddos are stimmers, but like Jack stims. I think that's really hard on a brain and a body after a while. Yes, I think Jackson is always in fight or flight, even yes. if he doesn't want to be, um, his brain is always there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jack is as well, 100%. Mm -hmm. 
So Carrie, what advice do you wish someone would have given you when you were first receiving that diagnosis? When you, um, we, I lost myself in it when we first received it because I thought I could change it. I thought I could get out of it. And um, looking back now, there's a lot of things I would have done differently. What do you think? What about you? I, I guess, um, yeah, I had always longed for somebody that was a little bit further on the journey for me so I could have sort of a crystal ball to look into. I think I, I, I really wish somebody had said, listen, just breathe and hold him and rub his head and notice all the beautiful things that make him Jack because every moment of my day was intent on progress. He said a word, I wanted a sentence. He learned to walk, I wanted him to run. And I never really let up on that enough to just experience the boy he was. And I would urge new moms to um, meet them where they are. I have a, a great woman in my life, and I was complaining to her because I like to complain that Jack's like, you know, his the things he is drawn to are kind of socially inappropriate. And like, you know, he's obsessed with soda and go on and on about it. Like, I don't have the bandwidth for that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't access joy in the way um, I see other kids, and I know I access joy. And she said, what if you take 10 minutes a day and you call it Jack's time and you just sit and you meet him where he is and you say, you know what, for the next 10 minutes, Jack, I want to hear all about what new flavors of Pepsi are coming out. And we do that when he's home, we do that faithfully. Mm -hmm. And it has been just a great experience to like get inside that mind a little bit and see the way it turns. And it is fascinating. Mm I think you just inspired everyone to schedule 10 minutes during their day. I see Katie taking notes. So I know that I'm a note taker. And I think that kind of how Amanda, you had said you autism diagnosis, you threw yourself in for us. I can say with, and I've shared about it before. My husband did not. He very much, um, I would not even say took a step back it was he threw himself back Mm -hmm. he was you know two cities over and we were still right right here um but for me when that had happened with our oldest son Avery and he got diagnosed he was only diagnosed for three weeks and a day and that's all it took for me to decide that I was not going to be the textbook mom who goes through the motions, goes through the hard, um, doesn't know what she's doing. I, I did, I didn't really know what I was doing, but in that three weeks and a day, I made the choice to redefine what our life was going to look like. And my husband, three weeks and a day, called me crazy because I was sitting in our garage and the kids were in bed and I was like, I'm going to help families. And he's just like, you're crazy. And I was like, I'm going to share our life. I'm going to travel to schools. I'm going to speak in government. And I'm telling him all of these things. And it is coming out of my mouth so fast that I don't think I even took a breath. And he was like, you're never, you're never going to do that. Um, you're a mom. And, and as quick as, you know, our psychologist and our therapist team labeled my son with a label of being on the spectrum. My husband labeled me as a mom. 
And him doing that, it's so crazy, but gave me the fuel to do all of those things. Mm -hmm. I, I did all of those things and then more. And there are so many people that come across me or, or see what we share online. And they're like, but you're a mom, but why can't I be more than a mom? Mm -hmm. Just because my child was diagnosed, why can't I be more than that? Why can't I speak in public about inclusion and acceptance and autism why can't I do all of these other things so we redefined what this life was going to look like and I always share online and and when I speak in schools is that I was given this one life this one life to be a mother to do endless endless things and it's you know my one life that I was given to make the most of it. I could be the mom with the children, the two boys that are on the spectrum and go through the motions, go through the hard, maybe share a little bit online. I could choose that life or I could do so much more. Which one am I going to choose? And I think when we had talked about earlier about strength from where I started to where I am now, I was never strong at the beginning. And every step of the way, I have gained some strength. There is so much more that I still have to learn and still have to figure out. But it's nice that we chose this life. It, it, there is some beauty in it that I see every single day. Even in the midst of the heart, there is some very beautiful, beautiful moments. Mm -hmm. I think I was busy at the beginning, but I thought I was strong. <laughs> you were. I think I've learned through time that busy doesn't equal strong, <laughs> you know. Well, we talk about the dads and I wrote about this recently. Um, you know, I think dads just grieve differently. Like when a, a mother's grief is loud, it takes up space, it's colorful, it fills the room, you can feel it. And a dad's grief is inward. It's after everybody goes to bed at night. It is um, when the house is asleep. And, and my husband is 100% no different. And um, once I could see it through that lens, I could respect it, that it was there. And it doesn't have to look the way mine looks. Yeah. I think that's important because we do expect it to look the same sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So Carrie, I want to thank you so much for joining us. You um, have given us so many amazing points and liners. And I think um, your advice is so inspiring and your writing is so healing for so many mamas so thank you for what you do thank you again <laughs> um, but one more time can you tell people um your book where they can get it and your pages to follow along yes so the book is what color is monday i have a second one that's a collection of some earlier blogs called someone i'm with has autism and you can find me at carriecariello.com or whatcolorismonday.com and the same for facebook I call Instagram the gram just to annoy my children. I am on the gram, but I think I'm at Carrie Carrie. We'll look, we'll look and throw it in the look I only post to the gram once a day, unless I'm commenting on a Peloton coach, because I'm kind of obsessed with them. Very good. Well, Carrie, thank you so very much. Anytime. Wonderful. So thank you so much, everyone.